following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Several years ago, while Mark and I were visiting our niece Ginny in Maine, the three of us made a pilgrimage to Nubba Light, my lighthouse, in York, Maine. As we went through the toll booth on the main pike, I noticed that the attendant was down in the dumps or grumpy or angry or, bo- or all of the above. As Mark paid the toll, I told the man to have a good day. The man's face lit up in a wee bit of surprise as he said, thank you. The next day, I drove down to the light to meet my sister Betty for lunch. I happened to go through the same toll booth and the same man was there as the attendant. And he wished me a good day. As I pulled away far enough so he wouldn't see or hear me, I yelled, yes! I will never know for sure if my actions on the first day made a large difference in that man's life. But in that moment, I felt that perhaps I had shared a bit of the joy of living with Christ, sharing a little light rather than responding with indifference. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture from Deuteronomy is is believed to be a part of Moses' farewell to the people whom he had guided through the wilderness for 40 long years. They were getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Moses knew he could not go with them and wanted to be sure they would remember the most important choice they would ever make. So I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Moses assures the people that if they love God, their Lord, and walk in his ways, obeying his commandments, then God would bless them in the land they were entering. That sounds great, doesn't it? The future is looking bright. And the people see good things for generations to come. No more worries about feeding their children, having good crops, having good homes, having a little bit of prosperity. Indeed, a good life. Did you notice the if at the beginning of verse 16? Do you think maybe Moses suspected that human nature being what it is, the Israelites might slip back into their old ways? In Deuteronomy 30, 17 through 18, Moses admonishes the people that if they do not hold God in their hearts and follow his laws, they shall perish. They shall not live long in the land that they are crossing the Jordan to enter. It seems that the choice between life and death should be a simple one. After all, we all want to live, but the choice for life here is not that living a life of mere excuse me of mere existence it is more than just subsisting day to day it is writing on our hearts the laws of god and living according to the covenant to the covenant 
God has made for, with us. There is much joy to be had in a life with Christ. It is not necessarily a life without challenges or even dark days at times, but the joy of living with the assurance that we know where we are going. The choice is a simple yes or no. There really is no middle ground. We must do more than try. We must do. In a commentary on Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, Brian C. Jones uses an example from Star Wars. As Yoda famously tells Luke Skywalker, who has half-heartedly promised to try to do as Yoda asks, no, try not, do not, or do not. There is no try. We must listen to God's voice, and we must act on it. The best choice we can make includes three things, stated in Deuteronomy 30, 20, but put simply, to love God, to hear God's voice, to cling to God. Loving God is an experience as a whole person. It includes heart, mind, and action. We make a commitment not only to be loved, but to share God's love as well. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, the great commandment, reminds us of how important it is to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Hearing God's voice and walking in God's ways is more than obedience. And that's a word that sometimes pushes our buttons in our, the individual first, do it my way society. But this obedience is so much more. It is a response to all that God has given us. It is putting into action our praise and thanksgiving to God. Clinging to God means that just as the Israelites were in their day, we are called to act out our love for God in meaningful ways. The commandments were not and are not difficult or impossible to follow, but they are a way to be faithful, to show our identity as people of God, and to respond to God's love. In 1960, the American poet James Patrick Kinney wrote the poem, The Cold Within. When he first submitted the poem for publication, it was rejected as being too controversial for the time. I share it now because I believe it speaks to how we sometimes break our covenant with God by not choosing life. Six humans, trapped by happenstance in bleak and bitter cold. Each possessed a stick of wood, or so the stories told. Their dying fire, <clears throat> their dying fire in need of logs. But the first woman held hers back, for of the faces around the fire, she noticed one was black. The man looking across the way saw one not of his church and couldn't bring himself to give the fire his stick of birch. The third one, in tattered clothes, he gave his coat a hitch. Why should his log be put to use to warm the idle rich? The rich man just sat back and thought of the wealth he had in store and how to keep what he had earned from the lazy, shiftless poor and the black man's face bespoke revenge as the fire passed from his sight, 
for all he saw in his stick of wood was a chance to spite the white. The last man of this falling, fallen group did not accept for gain. Giving only to those who gave was how he played the game. Their logs were held and death, death's still hands was proof of human sin. They did not die from the cold without. They died from the cold within. Your homework today, it's, it's just a little assignment. It can be done either before or after the Super Bowl, is to look up Matthew 5, 21 through 37, just for a little extra reflection. It was listed in the lectionary for today, but we did not read it here. Jesus is continuing to teach his disciples after the Sermon on the Mount, making the point that it is just as important how we follow God's commandments in our hearts and in our minds as it is in our outward actions. Jesus repeatedly uses the phrases, you have heard it said, and, but I say to you, to strengthen rather than change the commandments and to let us know that the way we follow the rules includes our inner thoughts and feelings. It's great that we don't physically murder someone, but when we when we hold anger or hate toward another in our hearts, are we not also breaking our covenant with God? Jesus cautions his disciples, and he cautions us as well, to lay aside all these inner sins and renew our relationship with God, to choose not a life of, of living hell, but a life richly lived in the joy of following God's way of light and love. Frank Wiley, during a recent sanctuary choir rehearsal, and I believe it was actually rehearsing for the, the anthem that the choir did this morning, he stressed the, the pronunciation of the word love. While emphasizing the L, ul, and the V, v, he told us that the word love is beautiful in and of itself. I believe that is at least part of what Jesus is telling us in this scripture and in the verses that follow. A joy-filled life is ours when we welcome God into our hearts and love each other as God loves us. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, continues the lesson of not focusing on small, insignificant things that separate us from God, but on God and all that God does and is continuing to do in our lives. Corinth was a very important city in Greece during Paul's time. It was strategic, strategically placed on the isthmus joining the Pel Peloponnesian Peninsula. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org. Corinth was a good place to get ahead although there were still some who lived in poverty. Paul arrived in Corinth in 49 CE. He lived there for 18 months, supporting himself in his trade of tent making and leather work. Through his preaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, a church was developed. 
Paul, of course, still maintained contact with the people of the church in Corinth as he continued his journey to Ephesus, teaching about Jesus, his way, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Can you imagine how frustrated Paul must have felt when he got word that there was infighting and division within the church? He certainly thought 18 months was enough time for the Corinthians to learn what he had to teach them and not fall apart as soon after he left, so soon after he left them in Apollos' capable hands. It is easy to understand that he lost his patience and spoke to the people of the church as if they were children, mere infants, not ready to live spiritual lives. In his letter, he still calls them sisters and brothers to soften the blow of his words, of his harsh words. I wonder, too, how the people of the church in Corinth responded to being called big babies. Paul softens his criticism a bit more by reminding them that they are infants in Christ, so there's hope. They are still beloved children of God. They still live in Christ with all the joy that that brings. The Corinthians were being silly, arguing about details that held little meaning in a spiritual life in Christ. Of course, we ourselves never fall into that trap, do we? This actually makes me think of a time while I was working when I thought I could never work with a certain client on my work crew. He's loud, he's obnoxious, he's scary to look at, I just don't want to work with him. I'm sure you might be guessing that in one of God's gotcha moments, of course, I ended up having him on a training crew for janitorial work. He was one of my best employees, and he was respectful and helpful. He was actually a joy to work with, and we had some great conversations about faith. Just like people in Paul's time, we have a bit more growing up to do in our faith journey. And just like infants, we have nowhere to grow but up. Thank goodness for God's grace and love and patience, too. Paul finally uses a farming analogy to answer those who disagree on who they are following, Paul or Apollos. Paul planted the seed by helping to start the church. Apollos watered excuse me, watered the field in continuing to minister and lead the church. But it is God who gives life and growth to the plant and to us. Paul and Apollos are God's servants working together. The Corinthians and we are God's field. We are called both in Old Testament and New Testament teachings to live in a beloved community not letting petty things get in the way of loving and sharing God's light and Christ's salvation. Is it easy? Not always, but it is the only way to go. So back to my story. I do believe that a very important part of our journey in faith and following God's law is respecting each other and sharing God's light with our neighbors wherever we may find them. 
It is at the root of all the laws and commandments that God gives us. When I shared God's caring with the toll booth attendant on those days, I felt in my heart one of the many and simple joys of living with Christ. Stay connected to God. Hold on to your faith and to each other. Trust in God and his laws for a joy-filled life, even when times may seem darkest. The anthem, I believe, that New Spirit will be singing during the offering this morning is based on a poem that was found carved on the wall of a concentration camp from World War II. I believe. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. And I believe in love, even when there's no one there. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. I believe through any trial, there is always a way. But sometimes in this suffering and hopeless despair, my heart cries for shelter, to know someone's there. But a voice rises within me, saying, hold on, my child. I'll give you strength. I'll give you hope. Just stay a little while. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when there's no one there. But I believe in God, even when he is silent. I believe through any trial, there is always a way. May there someday be sunshine. May there someday be happiness. May there someday be love. May there someday be peace. May we all have faith as strong as this. And may we, and may we all, through holding God's word in our hearts, be a field where we will grow according to God's generous and beautiful plan for us. And may we together be the planters and waterers of seeds that with God's gift of life will continue to grow through generations to come. Please pray with me. Creator God, beloved Savior, Holy Spirit, we praise you for your wondrous creation. We are thankful for your grace and your love. Where there is pain, you bring healing. Where there is joy, you celebrate with us. Where there is need, you move us to be your hands, your feet, your voice, your heart. We pray for those who are in our hearts who are ill. Tim Smith, who has been in the hospital, guide his doctors to find what is best for healing and health. It is never easy to say goodbye to a loved one. We pray for the family and friends of Brad Dickerson who died on Friday. Be their comfort as they grieve. We are grateful and find joy when we are able to connect with others in your service and pray for our brothers and sisters at the Macedonia United Methodist Church in our Canal District. Lord, we live in a world where tragedy and suffering still happen. We live in a world that seems fearfully awry. Please be with the family and friends of the people killed in the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria 
And Lord, be with the people of Ukraine as they struggle in the unjust war. Help us, teach us to be and to do what you would have us be and do. Help us remember your commandments and write them on our hearts as we go about our daily lives. We live as your children in Christ, who, in whose name we pray. Amen.